0: welcome to dear human resources in each episode you'll hear about current hr topics and trends from experts both practitioners and researchers with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources in this episode andrea stone who is a hazmat certified tissue bank technician in a southeast pennsylvanian hospital discusses how hospital employee safety requirements have evolved over the past few decades Welcome, Andrea. Thank you for having me, Marie. Andrea has been a tissue bank technician for over 20 years. She procures human tissue samples from surgery samples, which are then sent throughout the U.S. to NIH-funded research facilities. She's a certified hazmat technician and serves as a team member on her hospital's decontamination and chemical spill teams. So Andrea, for the listeners who are not familiar with the medical field, can you tell us a little bit about what it means to be a certified hazmat technician?
1: Yes, when I first started this job, I was offered this opportunity to become a hazmat technician and I had no idea what that meant. But anyways, I went through a three-day training course and it was a a certification course. And basically it gave me all the background on what I needed to know on how to deal with chemicals, any type of unknown chemicals and how to figure out what that chemical is and how to decontaminate people safely if that person has been exposed to that chemical. And with that three-day training, I have joined the decontamination and spill teams in, in my hospital, and I am a first responder for any type of issue. When someone comes in and they're contaminated before they get into the hospital, they have to be decontaminated. I'm a first responder for that.
0: So in November 2020, fairly recently, an article published on the Society for Human Resource Management website indicated that OSHA which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, had cited over 179 work sites for coronavirus-related violations. Can you tell us what are some of the red flags for OSHA in a hospital setting?
1: Yeah, one big red flag right now with hospitals is that OSHA, that OSHA is honing in on is not having a solid respiratory program. That entails having proper protocols and policies in place that covers fit testing of respirators. It covers medical evaluations that make sure you're healthy enough to use those respirators and also the proper use of PPE or what's also known as personal protection equipment. Another red flag is that the hospital and the employees themselves have a failure to report incidents that do occur in the hospital setting. Incidents like improper use of PPE, injuries and exposures that occur within the workplace and compliance. Sometimes employees do think that it's too much trouble or too much time consuming or too time consuming to report these incidents. So they just don't report them. Also, OSHA does require hospitals to comply with the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970, which basically states that each employer Uh, shall furnish a place of employment that is free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to their employees. So basically, that just means that the hospital needs to provide a safe workplace environment for all employees. So let's talk about how
0: workplace safety training has changed over the years. Have there been any kind of significant changes in employee safety training in the past, say, 15 to 20 years?
1: There's not that many changes with safety training over the past 10 to 15 years, but we still, we do train under the uh, regulations that OSHA has set on us. But one way we do train that has changed, we use actually online training modules that are sent annually to every employee in the organization. So in the past, each individual department was responsible for getting the training completed on a yearly basis. Now it's the responsibility that lies on each individual employee instead of the department as itself to complete the training within the allotted time frame. When the training is completed, the employee does sign off that they have completed that module and that updated information is placed in the employee's individual human resources file.
0: How about the safety gear used by medical staff in
1: hospitals? How has it evolved in the past 20 years, if at all? The one thing I wanna talk about, cause it's big with COVID is uh, respiratory protection. We used to use a negative pressure respirator at the hospital. So what a negative pressure respirator is, it's a single unit face piece that's attached by straps to the user's face. And with the negative respirator, you actually breathe air that's being forced through a filter with the use of your own lungs. Um, now what we use, it's called a PAPR, P-A-P-R, and that stands for a Powered Air Purifying Respirator. So what this is, this is a full hooded unit that is placed over the user's head. With this respirator, air is forced through a filter that has a blower that's run by a battery pack. This whole unit then sits on the user's waist via a belt. User does get fresh and cool filtered air that's blown over the front of their face within that hood. Now that we use PAPRs, fit testing is not required for this unit. But with the negative pressure respirators, they required fit testing and people with facial hair or unshapely noses could never get a proper seal. So there was always issues with those negative pressure respirators and getting people properly fitted. But with the PAPRs, almost anybody can use a PAPR. And like I said, there's no fit testing required with that. But it sounds like an expensive piece of equipment. It is more expensive. It is a rechargeable battery that you need to make sure you have charged and that is in good working order. But in the long run, it keeps the person so much more comfortable and they're more willing to wear something like this other than that negative pressure respirators really get hot and uncomfortable when you're wearing them. Another change in safety gear over the past 20 years are that the gowns that are are being used... Gowns are used when entering isolation rooms that have patients with infectious diseases. We used to use only cloth gowns that would be laundered after each use. We now use mostly all disposable gowns. Um, These gowns are made of lightweight material that is is permeable to liquid. Um, These gowns are then disposed of after each use. I would assume that
0: increases the expenses the hospital has to uh, budget for.
1: Absolutely. Yes, it does. We actually did our hospital used to have their own laundry system. And we actually don't have that laundry uh, service anymore. And we have increased our amount of waste tenfold with just all this PPE that's getting thrown away. So it is a big cost, not only to purchase the gowns, but also to um, dispose of them.
0: Andrea, it's my understanding that About 16 U.S. states require that employees receive some training about COVID-19 workplace safety. But the state of Pennsylvania where you work isn't one of those 16 states. So how do hospitals like yours ensure that managers know the safety measures they should adopt, but also how do they know how to handle employee issues related to the coronavirus?
1: So new and updated policies and procedures are always being created, um, even as we speak. We're literally learning with this as we go. So every every time a policy or a procedure is created at our hospital or even just updated, a notification is sent to all employees and managers. Those employees and managers then need to review the new or updated policy and then sign that off and um, si- basically signing off saying that they understood what the new or updated information was. Some of these new policies and procedures have come from our COVID-19 Incident Command Center. So this ICC is made up of managers and administration personnel from all aspects of the hospital, such as nursing facilities, dietary, laboratory, security, and infection control. Those are just some of the examples of, of the departments that are involved with this team. So the information does go institution wide and not just to individual specific departments. And this ICC gets updates from our county and state officials on any changes that are happening within the COVID-19 crisis.
0: So regarding employee safety in hospitals, what are some of the challenges, but also some of the opportunities ahead of us?
1: In the world we live in now with the new viruses and disease and all the diseases that are popping up everywhere, the challenges for these hospitals will be to stay one step ahead. So one step ahead of the outbreaks that viruses create can help to lessen the burden on the healthcare workers and the hospitals as a whole. The institutions will have to find a system to, to be able to acquire specific PPEs in a timely manner and to be able to replenish that supply before it does run out but within that the an opportunity within this covid-19 out, outbreak is that more factories and businesses have been created that are manufacturing ppes so future needs within the ppes should not be such a strain on hospitals also hospitals now have created new policies and procedures that help the workflow of healthcare during the times of a pandemic so it has opened a lot of eyes on what our future can hold
0: my understanding is it was more of a supply and demand in the past. In other words, on demand
1: rather than keeping a supply. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Yes. It, and now it's like I said, it's people are realizing we need to be prepared for the future and be ready for when something does happen. And if it does happen quick, that we can respond and have the proper protection that we need to keep ourselves safe while we're working with these patients.
0: So where are those supplies kept? I mean, does that mean they need more actual real estate in a way?
1: We have acquired an area that we have PPE stored, and it's a larger amount of PPE that we would normally store than on a a regular non-pandemic timeframe. But we have all these extra PPEs stored available in case that pandemic does happen again and that we will not run out and that our employees can stay safe. Some of that equipment
0: must expire though, right? So there's maintenance needed for that?
1: Yeah. So with that, we do have um, rotation of our supplies. So we're not just stockpiling and leaving them sit. We're actually, when we get new in, we're taking from the stockpile and we're throwing it into our normal use. So there is a complete rotation of fresh PPE coming in and going out.
0: That makes a lot of sense. In closing, Andrea, can you think of one idea about how hospitals can improve the safety of their
1: staff. Yeah, I really believe that one idea that would help to improve the hospital safety is to have more hands-on training and less virtual training. It is so much easier to train someone with the proper use of PPE if the user is physically putting on and taking off the equipment in front of a trained coach. That way, if the user is not wearing it or using that PPE appropriately, it can be adjusted or changed immediately. The online and virtual training is okay, but in-person training is far superior.
0: That's really interesting. It really goes countercurrent to online training trends. It's understandable, I guess. Uh, You want to make sure that people use the equipment appropriately. And I guess some of those things cannot be done online. It makes sense. Thank you, uh, Andrea, for sharing your insights with us about OSHA, but also about hospital employee safety. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.